This is Lord's Day number five from the Heidelberg Catechism. And I will give you the questions and answers that we're going to be discussing. Question 12. Since then, by the righteous judgment of God, we deserve temporal and eternal punishment. Is there no way by which we may escape that punishment and be again received with favor? Answer. God will have his justice satisfied. And therefore, we must make this satisfaction either by ourselves or by another. Question 13. Can we ourselves make this satisfaction? Answer. By no means. But on the contrary, we daily increase our debt. Question 14. Can there be found anywhere one who is a mere creature able to satisfy for us? Answer, none. For first, God will not punish any other creature for the sins which man hath committed. And further, no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin so as to deliver others from it. Question 15. What sort of mediator and deliverer, then, must we seek for? Answer, for one who is very man and perfectly righteous and yet more powerful than all creatures, that is who is also very God. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we start today uh, with Lord's Day number five, uh, as you remember Last week, uh, we dealt uh, with the difficult topics of human responsibility and God's sovereignty in brief uh, and learned how God can be both merciful and just uh, at the same time. Well, today we look at this idea of satisfaction uh, that uh, since then... Uh, if God is righteous and we deserve this punishment, uh, is there any way we can be brought back into a right relationship? And the answer starts off that the justice of God will have to be satisfied. Uh, and, you know, you know, what is satisfaction? I think it's not, you know, the Rolling Stones uh, definition of satisfaction that we think of, uh, but we think of this with, say, uh, a debtor, creditor situation. Um, if I am uh, a debtor and Hunter is my creditor, therefore I owe Hunter uh, a sum of money, um, there has to be a remittance uh, where that slate is wiped clean. What he gets, what he is due and owing, uh, which is the full payment of my debt. And of course, this you know, with a debt, uh, we typically have two aspects that there's obedience required if we are a debtor to someone, that we make our payments or that we perform certain acts um, outside of the monetary situation uh, in that relationship, and also that there's a penalty uh, if we do not uh, render the obedience 
that we uh, owe to the creditor or the other person. Uh, so this is this idea that uh, the Heidelberg Catechism gets here is that satisfaction has to be made and the law of God has to be satisfied here. Um, but it also indicates that we must make it or another, that by another uh, there can be deliverance in this case. And this idea that if we are delivered, um, yeah, I think the clearest example of that would be think of someone in prison. Uh, if you are delivered from, say, this captivity, you go from a state of bondage. You can't do what you want, go where you want. Uh, your personal liberty is obviously greatly restricted in a prison environment, and you go to a different state, that of freedom, that where you're on the streets, where you can determine where you're going to go, what you're going to do, what time you get up, uh, basic things like that that we take for granted. But you're delivered from one state to another, captivity to freedom. Uh, and here, as we maybe remember from the earlier lessons in the catechism, uh, that it's really we're delivered from a state of misery uh, was the first week's lesson. Uh, and that misery that we seek deliverance from has really uh, two components, that is sin and death. Sin, insofar as we, uh, when we are under sin's power, we are essentially uh, slaves to it. We are servants. Um, and though uh, we hear um, such off-the-wall uh, statements by some that, uh, such as the great modern uh, philosopher Billy Joel, that you know, he would rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints because the sinners have much more fun. Uh, we hear statements like that, but anyone who has ever truly been in bondage and can understand their sins. For example, uh, the drunk uh, who abuses God's gift of wine uh, in his right mind would tell anyone that that has not been a good life, that, that's, uh, that he would not change it if he could uh, when he is in bondage, has been in bondage to strong drink. Uh, where it has driven his decision-making, torn apart families and such, that it has not been one great party where he has had fun, but he is in bondage. Um, you can look also to other, uh, whether it be someone that um, has been ensnared by pornography, uh, anyone who has been uh, set free to be clean, uh, from that would not rapturously remember uh, the good days of being you know, glued to uh, the internet or uh, some other uh, tablet or whatnot and lost hours upon hours that they could have been advancing their career or uh, being a good husband or father uh, or enjoying other valuable things in life. Uh, though the world teaches us that those are good things, 
Uh, anyone who has truly experienced the bondage will tell us, no, it is not. It is something you need to be delivered from. And we are only kidding ourselves if we claim there is no misery in those situations. Of course, it's not only this uh, bondage and power of sin, but the very fact of death um, as the penalty for our sins as uh, Adam and Eve were informed fairly clearly that uh, the moment uh, that they disobeyed God and they ate, uh, they would surely die. And it is this penalty of death uh, that we uh, are under and that we seek deliverance from because we, uh, absent the Lord uh, coming quickly, uh, we shall all get there. Um, I had dinner with a good friend last weekend, and he's a retired professor uh, from Emory. Actually, he's a David Hume scholar, and uh, he was talking. We were talking about aging and young people's. Uh, view of aging and he made the statement and um that just you know he said yeah when I was you know uh, young I just pictured me getting old would be same me but gray hair uh not the necessarily the bodily decline and loss of functions of mind and such that come with it you just you know kids think you're just the same person it's just yeah, Mr. Nixon's got gray hair where they have blonde hair and he's the same and um, plenty of people in here I think can attest uh, from personal experience that that is not true though that's the way the kids see it and I think Hunter is probably in a good position as Carolyn and uh, from seeing aging people and their practices through the years that they can attest uh, to our young friends that uh, um, aging is real though um, and there are certain effects there and it leads ultimately uh, unto this uh, death uh, when the body gives out, when disease uh, ravages it. So we have these two things that we uh, need deliverance from, um, sin and death. Uh, of course, uh, when Adam and Eve first sinned, um, they did not realize that there would be a possible way out, that there would be a way to make satisfaction. But early on, very early on, um, God makes that promise of deliverance. And my first question is, to whom was the first promise of deliverance made? And you can look to Genesis 3.15. If somebody will read Genesis 3.15, we shall have our answer. Somebody get it, just wave a hand. All right, Edward. I will put my enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. Okay, read one more for me. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Right, so here we see, as Edward has given us, that right there is... So it's the scene of the crime, right? Uh, you've got Satan, the man, 
the woman and the Lord. And though, again, God has seen man's pride, man's desire to sin, man's choice of evil versus uh, obedience, Early in this conversation with them, though, yes, he promises the cursings of uh, how difficult it'll be to till the ground to get your food. You got to work by the sweat of your brow. Childbearing's going to be painful for women. Uh, the relationship has changed between man and woman, where there'll be some strife there. Though all that happens and exists, he makes a promise of deliverance right there while speaking to the serpent actually obviously in earshot of adam and eve as everyone is there or at least it appears so from the text in genesis together uh, that there will be deliverance that this seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent there so we get this promise of deliverance there in Genesis, which takes us, moves us to question 13. Can we ourselves make this satisfaction? By no means, but on the contrary, we daily increase our debt. So we have this need of full satisfaction of sin that uh, has been inflicted on account of uh, of this, of our behavior, our first parents' behavior, and this need to abolish sin and renew our nature uh, and get right with God. But one of the first things um, Adam and Eve learn is that they can't do it themselves, that there is another who can. And this idea of penal substitution uh, is shown in these brief words. So, uh, fully developed and enunciated? No, not at this point, but we could still see pictures as God clothes um, Adam and Eve with a sacrifice of innocent animals uh, to make them with uh, clothes out of skins, Uh, a picture uh, that perhaps they might be covered uh, in another way spiritually as Christ uh, covers us there. So those these, these things might be shadows to them, whereas it's clear to us having a full canon uh, to study. Um, nonetheless, they get the idea um, that uh, deliverance is possible through another. Now, of course, looking here at question 13, um, can we do this ourselves? No, we can't because... Uh, for example, if I could um, pick on Hunter again, if I could do Addy a favor, if I had God gave me the supernatural power that from this day on, Hunter, you're going to be the perfect husband, you're going to be sinless against your wife, your employees, your children, uh, you will sin no more. That doesn't rectify Hunter to God, does it? Because Hunter has another previous 50 years, give or take probably one or two of his life, um, that he has accumulated a huge debt. Um, And he cannot pay that debt. 
even if he somehow could be obedient from now on and be that perfect husband, etc. He's got a debt to pay, uh, not only uh, uh, from, again, this idea of original sin and his corruption of his nature, but his own acts, his been charged uh, to be holy because the Lord is holy, and whoever uh, shall sin against him, we're cursed. Uh, so he has a huge debt that he has to pay, uh, and he has to find some means or someone to pay that debt for him. Uh, because, let's face it, uh, I don't have the power to give, make him perfect husband today. And though all regenerate persons, too, in this room, we consent, continue to sin daily, right? Our debts continue to accrue. Um, even if we could start to be perfect, uh, we're only doing what is expected of us and commanded of us. Shouldn't be a pat on the back or a medal. Um, that is our duty to be perfect. Um, and it does not cure sins past in that situation. Uh, you think of the calculator example. We have such a debt owed to God for our sins. If we had a supercomputer and all the money the Federal Reserve could print, that supercomputer would never catch up and the printing press never catch up with what is owed uh, because it accumulates so quick. Uh, and it's always a step ahead uh, there. Which brings us to question 14 uh, of this. That Well, can there be found anywhere one who is a mere creature that can satisfy this for us? None is the promise here. For first, God will not punish any other creature for the sin which man hath committed. And further, no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin so as to live, deliver others from it. Uh, someone turn to Hebrews 10.4 for me and read verse 4. And just holla if you get it. Swanabelt. Ten four. Yes, sir. Ten four. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And it's impossible, the book of Hebrews says. Uh, that while you know sacrifices had been commanded, that is a picture of a more complete sacrifice to come. Uh, the catechism teaches us that you know you think of it. Um, first of all, bulls and goats are not man; uh, they don't have man's moral responsibility to God. Therefore, they're not a suitable uh, substitute for our sins. But even if somehow they could be, uh, think of the wrath of God that must be poured out on sin. Uh, somebody turn to uh, Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 17, and read that to us. This hollow when you got it. 
chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. Okay. Since therefore the children share the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Amen. And again, this shows why you know no creature, no bull, no goat, uh, no other uh, part of God's creation um, could be sacrificed to really cleanse us from our sins, to save us from our sins. Um, and, and just think of the punishment, too, that if we have someone could be a substitute, then you still have, again, this justice has to be satisfied and wrath has to be poured out. Um, and think of, for a mere creature, how long could a mere creature stand or against the wrath of God. Think of it like a fire, a blowtorch. Uh, it would be as if, if someone, if you're out camping and you needed a fire to last through the night, all right, to stay warm, it's that cold. And I give you a twig the size of this pen and a lighter. How long is that going to keep you warm all night? Mm-mm. That, that pen's going to be consumed pretty quick in a fire, the little twig that's the size of this. Uh, the Catechism teaches the same idea if a mere creature um, could offer himself to God to suffer God's wrath that we have incurred. You're eaten up in a second, millisecond, whatever uh, time uh, you wish uh, to put on it, uh, would be consumed totally uh, without being able to fully withstand the wrath of God that is owed and earned uh, for our penalties there. So thus, no mere man or mere creature, whether it be a bull or a goat um, or even one of us, uh, could do this. It would not be possible which is why we get to the 15th question. Uh, if it's not a mere creature, well, then what sort of mediator and deliverer then must we seek for? Answer, for one who is very man and perfectly righteous. Don't have any of those here in the room. And yet more powerful than all creatures, that is one who is also very God. For as, um, as the last verse indicated, and as we know, um, Christ had to partake of our human natures. We in our human nature have sinned, but also uh, by partaking of the divine nature, uh, Christ could hang on that cross for the three hours, and we can't imagine what wrath was poured out during that time. Um, but enough wrath to satisfy uh, God's justice for our many sins. So you have to have this merger, if you will, of two perfect and distinct natures, uh, human and divine, in one person, 
that one person being truly man and truly God. Now, this opens up a lot about the mediator. Why? And we've just skimmed this. Why? Very God and very man. And that actually is our next lesson. Uh, and Lord willing, we won't get to it next week. And we'll save it because Kirby will be back and Helen will be walking and feeling good. Um, and we'll be back to our usual. But if not, um, we will look at the nature of the mediator um, God sending the mediator, the full characteristics of the mediator, what a mediator is, why there can only be one mediator between God and man, that is Christ Jesus, uh, and go from there. Uh, but for today, we will end with this, this idea that there's a debt to be satisfied, that no mere creature um, can pay such a debt, but God has taught us that another can, his son, uh, but his son must be of two natures, both human and divine, perfect and distinct in one person. And glory be to God uh, that he would provide such a substitute for us. So let's close our uh, time in prayer and go on to worship. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the man, Christ Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that you would not spare your only son uh, for the likes of us. And Lord, we just praise you and we worship you for it. Lord, we thank you that your mercy is equally perfect to your great justice. And Lord, we thank you uh, for your plan of salvation for your people. Uh, that you would not leave us to try to satisfy a debt on our own, which we never could, but that you would provide not only the payment of that, but the punishment uh, that we owe and that we deserve. So, Lord, we ask that you'd be with us as we go into worship or as we go home if we have uh, uh, been here earlier. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you for a day in your house. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.